Hello and welcome along to Clare FM Sideline View. It's Jerry Clinch with you for the next hour or so. Coming up on the show, we'll reflect on Clare's opening game of the 2024 intercounty hurling season and look ahead to Sunday's clash with Cork in Parky Rin. We'll chat to former GAA president Sean Kelly on where the association and its games currently stand and we hear from Newmarket Celtic after the club was bestowed with a civic reception from Clare County Council. Clare's minor camogie side are in Munster Championship action this weekend. We look ahead to the weekend of local soccer and we have Greyhound Focus as well. Hurling is our first port to call though this evening as Clare opened their 2024 season with a loss to Limerick in the Co-op Superstores Munster Senior Hurling League on Wednesday night. A trip to Cork awaits on Sunday afternoon with Clare's fate in that competition now out of their own hands. After the game against Limerick, I spoke with Clare boss Brian Lohan. Reasonable workout, um, I suppose, you know, an awful lot of mistakes as well, but um, that's, you probably can expect that your your, your first day out, but um, happy enough with the attitude of the guys and um, the um, uh, good bit of work, um, obviously made a huge number of mistakes and, you know, an awful lot of wides and, you know, balls dropping short and things like that, so loads of mistakes, so loads to work on. But can you kind of forgive them when you know the genesis of it was someone trying to do the right thing? Oh yeah, look, some good passages of play like and um, um, our lads are working really hard. Um, they're they're and this gives them an idea of 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 the standard and um, I suppose overall, as you say, good workout. Yeah, there must be a sense now with the, those fringe guys that they have tonight, they have next Sunday, and they have whatever challenge game. And next thing, it's national league, and you guys are going to be swinging that axe to cut the panel, so they have to impress. Yeah, well, look, it's that's just the nature of uh, intercounty hurling. Like you have to, um, um, you you have your panel. It's a fairly tight panel that that you'll be working off, and we're carrying over fifty guys at the moment. So, um, yeah, like we 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 can just applaud the work rate that they're that they're that they're engaged in, and, and the work you know the work that they're doing on the training field. Um, you know, really committing themselves, really working hard, both on and off the field. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we have to make the decision um, in, you know, a week or two's time um, after the panel, um, you know, to, to, to pick our panel and that's what we'll move forward with. Is that the kind of January message, keep trying to do the right thing and eventually the right thing happens? Oh, yeah. Well, look, it's 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 a tough time of year. Um, you know, there's no real glory in January, like it's just hard work. Um, so, yeah, that is the message. We'll 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 keep looking at guys, uh, try and pick the best panel to represent the county, and then move on. And another chance now Sunday going down to Cork, which presents its own challenge. Lads would have to stand up there too. Yeah, well, look, you, the nature of this is you have a home game and you have an away game, and we've had our home game, so we'll we'll go down and play the away game now. So, um, yeah, look forward to that. So they were the thoughts of Brian Lohan after Wednesday's game in Clare Castle. Thoughts quickly moving to Park here in this Sunday. Tommy Gilfoy with us to both look ahead and look back and we'll start Tommy with reflecting on the game and while you know nobody will be too exercised by a Wednesday night in January as to what way that transfers to a, a Sunday afternoon in May we'll have to wait and see but what was your takeaway from it? Yeah I suppose it was it was, uh, it was a start I suppose and all players you know coming into the new year you know they can be training since before Christmas through Christmas and indeed you know the couple of days after Christmas but it's it's getting out and playing and you know, I mean, it was it was um, a nice game to get back. That was kind of a novelty. There was a big interest, maybe, you know, that that rivalry, Clare and Limerick, but it didn't really materialise. But then again, you know, when you look at the, te- the 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 names on both teams, you know, it was a very much 
experimental development stage team on both sides. Um, from a clear point of view, I suppose the positives being that you know a lot of players got game time, uh, players on the the periphery of the team, and I suppose indeed new players. And you know when you look down through it, I think that's what the the management will be looking for. Derek, I think is you know that players to put their hands up to become. Uh, you know, viable um, options for starting place, or if not, uh, you know, in that first 20 come championship time. So game one down, I suppose, you know, the negative then being, you know, we shot a lot of wides, 18 wides, and it's something that, you know, has reoccurred, I think, over the last couple of years, um, whereby where we have possession, but we're not turning it into scores. And I suppose 18, okay, look, at there's no one going to be shot over, having 18 wides, and I suppose the positive is that we created those. But I think we need to be better, you know, with our decision-making. And um, primarily, I think, you know, if the shot isn't done, that we retain possession. But more more importantly, that uh, you know, we give our inside line that chance, if, you know, to pop the ball in front of them. Uh, we have those sort of players there, you know, when you look through it. And indeed, the other night, one would have felt sorry for the inside line. Uh, Dermot Cahill and Mark Rogers, you know, the quality of ball that was going in, you know, didn't lend itself for them to get scores. So that's something they will look at. But then again, look at it. It's only, it's only the first week in, in January. Game two comes up at the at the weekend. So I think the positive has been, uh, you know, lots of new players got game time. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a game at uh, the newly appointed uh, brilliant grounds and brilliant organisation in fairness by the Clare Castle Club. So look at you know, we they, they'll take the positives and move on until Sunday. Yeah, and I guess like the, maybe the, the final scoreline probably didn't really reflect the game either. Limerick were by far and away the better team in the second half, but maybe that's to be expected. Like I know it wasn't anywhere close to first strength on either side, but you could definitely see the Limerick comfort, we'll call it. You know, everyone coming on knew their game plan, knew what their role was. I suppose that comes with the kind of run that they've gone on, doesn't it? It is, yeah, and I think that's what primarily, you know, I would be looking at to see what way Clare was setting up, what, how they were trying to play the game. You could, it was very clear how Limerick were playing the game, and you know the way they they moved that ball, particularly around the middle third. I thought their touch was excellent, their support play was excellent, and then the final ball into the inside line. You know, they had quality players of English, O'Dolly and 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 Shane O'Brien. I think that's something clear. You know, should be aiming for is to. That's what I've been talking about is to you know to get quality ball in there. Yeah, Limerick had you know I mean Cahill O'Neill played in the All Ireland. Then Morris he was there. You know English O'Brien they've got lots probably more game time than than some of the Clare players. So uh, you know it would have been expected of them. But as you said, I think uh, the manner I think they hurled better as a team, made better decisions, and ultimately got the result. But uh, you know again those players are fighting for their place for starting positions and, 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 and panel positions for Limerick in, in what, you know, will turn out to be, you know, the, the five in a row. Oh, they'll probably play it down, but that's ultimately every one of those players want to get on that panel. And our players, from a clear perspective, will have that chance again now on Sunday. And in fairness, and even listening to Brian there after the game, like, work rate, he was quite pleased with He's Even in training, lads are going well and they, they want their place. It's a tough task now to turn around in, in a couple of weeks' time and maybe call a third of the squad maybe as it is like. So um, if, if you get your chance, you'll want to hold on to that. In fairness, 
I don't think anybody that played the other night was walking away saying that they had done themselves any harm. I, I think there's, there's plenty for management to think about, even with what they're going to do on Sunday. Yeah, it is. And I think, and I've always said this, I think, you know, the Clare management look for, you know, character and spirit and determination first and foremost. I think we all know, and most of those guys over the last couple of years through minor and 20, 20 and 21s have, um, you know, are well capable of holding their own. It's it's probably, you know, looking to push on to what would be perceived as the, as the you know, the certain starters in championship. And I think that's where Brian will be looking for, I think. There is no doubt we have, you know, good young hurlers coming up. Um, but he'll be looking for, you know, that as you said, that work rate, that determination, that, you know, um selfishness that, you know, that they work hard for the team. He'll be looking to bed in some of those, no doubt, throughout the league, but it's a it's a short window to, you know, to put your hand up and some of them, you know, we might get a second chance again Sunday. You know, I presume there'll be a rotation of the squad again and with one eye probably on how many players are playing Fitzgibbon on Wednesday night. So it will be how the, how the management manage, you know, the next couple of weeks. But uh, a big game coming up, you know, even though you'd say maybe the fact that we got beaten, we're out of it. But I think the players, they get the chance. You know, it's everything to play for down in Parky Rin against Cork. Yeah, I think there's some... some obscure mathematical chance are right of getting to a final but it depends on score difference and other results and all the rest of it so I don't think anybody's going to be overly concerned about that like and from a Cork point of view okay they had the, the, the Teddy McCarthy game there a couple of weeks ago but obviously the game um, against Limerick that was to be their opener pulled due to the fog in Mallow that day uh, from a Cork point of view what sort of a challenge do you expect I mean is, is this a Cork squad that are under a bit of pressure from their own this year I, I think they are. I think they would have thought, you know, maybe over the last couple of years that they would have underachieved. Now they have the, you know, the I won't say the luxury, the benefit of, you know, a fairly successful underage. And sooner rather than later, you know, they'll be wanting those to, to you know, to, to, to push on. And, uh, you know, the team that they put out against Limerick, uh, the first they would suggest that, you know, it was a very strong team with lots of um, established players involved. So, I expect Cork to put out a, a strong team. And again, that will give the you know the Clare management and the Clare players a fair barometer of, of, of where the Clare players are at if Cork put out a, a you know a, a strong team. And you're going down again into Park here in probably you know a smaller and change of, of from, from all weather to, to, to grass and we spoke about that last week. So um, again I think Clare will approach the game. You know, looking for a performance and if a win comes well and good but I think the performance and the manner in which Clare go about their business I think will be important and that's what the main thing I think the management will be looking for Cork I think on the other hand you know I think the years are slipping by now and you know it's been a long time since they've um, got silverware and I think uh, the Cork public are, are, are a demanding public at this stage and I think they'll be looking for silverware and you know, hoping that 2024 will there will be their year. Yeah, very interesting to see Patrick Horgan among those that was togged and mellow and training in the fog when the game was pulled. So, I mean, if the likes of him is still sticking around, you get the feeling that he's there for a reason. Um, just finally on that, you mentioned Fitzgibbon, Tommy, obviously that's starting uh, this week as well. Uh, the month of January, to have it one of the, and we've, we've, we'll be speaking about this shortly later as well to, to Sean Kelly, the former GA president, but the fact that January is one of the busiest months of the year, like it, 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 it's not that does something have to change? Something does, doesn't it? 
it it does, and I suppose, but the conundrum is, you know, what do you do? Mm. The time, you know, the time frame and that window is 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 basically six months. I, I mean, I you know, you you hear a lot of clambering for the All Ireland to be pushed back out again, but um, I think you know, I suppose they're going to have to give 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 the the split season a chance. But at some stage, I think you know, rather than just let it. Um, carry on I think they're going to have to do some sort of analysis on it and um, you know the Fitzgibbon is a fairly prestigious and the Sigerson are prestigious competitions you know a lot of these county players you know and people sometimes forget that are on scholarships from those colleges so uh, you know those players are expected to turn up and it becomes then a, I, I think Derek a, you know a balancing act and uh, you know hoping that both sets of management do the right thing by the, by the players because you know, we hear about player welfare, but I mean, playing two and three games a week in January, you know, is that player welfare? I, I'm not too sure. Look, there is no easy solution to it. I think a lot of um, fairly learned and, uh, you know, good heads on people with GA have, have, have different uh, views on it. To get a happy medium, I think, you know, at this stage with a, a split season, you're cramming at the start, and then as the season goes on, it filters down into you know eight, four, two. Uh, it all comes very early, so it, it is a hard one to manage. I don't have any quick solution to it, but I would hope that uh, you know that there would be some sort of a, re- a review by the GE and be and be big enough to have that review and you know take on board the the concerns of players and management and include the colleges and all that in it. But it's not an easy situation. But the Fitzgibbon starts next week. Those players that are playing that Fitzgibbon would love to have uh, on their CV a Fitzgibbon medal. It is a prestigious, long-standing tournament uh, championship. Uh, you know, it's it's unrivaled. Where one week you could be uh, taking, you know, playing your enemies. The next week, three days after, you could be talking out and playing on the same line, on the same team, on the same pitch as as, as your foe. So. It is a big couple of weeks coming up for, for the college players. Again, I think it I hopefully it comes down to good management between both Fitzgibbon and um, county managers and put the players at the top of it. Uh, one of the big talking points, particularly in the first quarter of the year, seems to be the split season issue around the GAA. And to have a chat about that, I'm delighted to be joined by former president of the Gaelic Games Association, proud Kerryman, South Ireland MEP as well, and a regular visitor to this county, uh, Sean Kelly. Sean, thanks very much indeed for uh, joining us here on the show. Um, I know this is something that you've spoken about in the past. You, you've a, a good number of opinions on it. Uh, maybe outline firstly where you stand in the whole thing. Yeah, I was up there at a very enjoyable Golden Jubilee celebration by Nave Owen, and I was talking there to Matthew Morrissey and members of the club. We were just chatting about the season. And I think uh, it has to be said that it was a good idea, certainly worth trying out, especially as we saw in COVID. But of course, nobody could actually foretell the exact consequences of having a split season and for that reason I think it's so important that the GA would keep open-minded on it and monitor things as it goes along. I think the season has become extremely compact now at both the latter end of the championship and also at 
club championship level. And I think one of the points that we hadn't really expected was the amount of pressure that's put on particularly inter-county players whose clubs uh, go well in the championship. They don't hardly get any break at all. And we never, I think, expected that to happen. Also, where spectators are concerned, it's almost impossible to keep up with all the games. And particularly a championship, the likes of which I don't think we have anywhere in the world, the Munster Holiday Championship, so many games coming thick and fast that it's almost impossible, especially for neutrals, to go to those games. And then, of course, you have the difficulty that a lot of these games are not televised. Some of the best games in the world not being televised because there are so many games on, I suppose, in fairness, but also the media rights is confined essentially to one player, RTE, and then others being on Diego, which has led to a lot of problems for people as well. So I think a reflection on it after maybe two or three years would be very, very wise. I guess there's kind of a lot to unpack in it, really. But one thing that has kind of started to come around in in conversations, I've been hearing on it anyway, is that while the split season was, as you say, a kind of a, a noble idea to try and give players certainty, particularly club players, I think that, you know, that they knew we can take our holidays in May and June and we won't be starting championship till July. And, you know, there's a bit of certainty with families and stuff like that. But... Did did you see any problem then with the fact that there was the championship change of structure, that suddenly new games and, and more games were introduced into what was at that time a constricted window? Well, obviously, and I would actually be in favour of having more games in championship. I've been going back for 100 years. We had a straight knockout, which wasn't uh, in the best interest, I think, of players, particularly the effort put in by county players training, etc. But at the same time, we didn't really envisage that they'd be cramping into such a narrow time frame that, for instance, we can't have any replays now. Now, I think that's a shame because the replays are probably the best promotion that the game can have. And then, of course, you have the fact that it's a, a big revenue stream. And then The other side is, if you are finishing games, which we saw recently, particularly in the club championship, on the day, the pressure it puts on, particularly the penalty takers and, above all, the person who basically misses the last penalty and his team goes out. That must be terribly soul-destroying for those players. So we have, without actually maybe intending so, have heaped an awful lot of extra pressure on players, on spectators. And then, of course, the other point which I think Marty Morrison made at the Navon function was that the All-Ireland Finals are now on outside of school time. And that's a, a big uh, drawback, I think, to the GA because the schools are vital to us. So not having the schools there to cater for and to taste the build-up to an All-Ireland Final, particularly if their own county's involvement, but also then if they win the cup going out to the schools, etc. So a lot of things happening that we didn't expect. And even also the last end of the season, look at what's happening this weekend. The Aladdin Cup finals are on in Crow Park. A few years ago, you were able to play the semi-finals in January. 
the finals in February. It gives clubs involved plenty of time to build up. And particularly, I know, because the two clubs I've been involved with can come in and possibly both in the Ireland finals. That extra space meant that fans uh, from all over the world were able to come to the matches. But when they're on a successful some days, I think that possibility is also removed. So there are a lot of things when you look at it that you just have to say uh, and do your sums, essentially. Are we gaining or are we losing? Yeah, and I think that that discussion probably would be welcome because the, people seem very entrenched, Sean, in their views on this thing one way or the other. You know, I, I don't think the middle ground is kind of teased out on it yet. Like, and, and one thing that I'd always say to people discussing this, the split season, I, I have to say I would have been a fan of it starting out. But then when you look at, you know, just take it from a clear point of view, kind of October, late October, early November, always county final time, that hasn't changed. So it's not as if the split season has bought any more time for clubs. It, it You're still talking that same window. You're absolutely right, yes. And uh, you would wonder, what's the gain in that regard? And actually, to the fact that in some respects, the finals are probably going later in other counties. And again, then if they go on to provincial level, they, there's non-stop essentially. They're going... 24 months of the year and that cannot be good either for their particularly their bodies but maybe also their mental health and probably family and you name it you need a bit of certainty we thought it was going to bring certainty and that was a very important point but how much certainty it has brought and then at what price that's these are the questions we have to keep an open mind on because there's no point in saying I'm totally for it. I'm totally against it. You have to look at the evidence. The evidence is only coming to the fore now, so we have to monitor it. But above all, we have to be willing to act accordingly if we feel changes need to be made. And it's this time of year always seems to provoke this debate. And like January, incredibly, for the first month of the year, is probably one of the busiest ones with all the different competitions going on. We see this week the Sigerson starting, the Fitzgibbon Cup is going to start, National League will be at the end of the month, you have all the pre-season games, and the weather has no notion of improving either. So like, even within the first couple of weeks of, the, of every new year, you have a lot of challenges to face. Yes, and that, that means that there is basically no close season. I mean, in any amateur game, particularly here in Ireland, the weather and so forth in the winter, do you expect people to have a break before and after Christmas anyway? But they don't anymore because, as I said, the games are started in the first day of January nearly and they're going helter-skelter all over the place. And uh, again, as you said, already we can see the conflict between Sigerson Cup and Fitzgibbons and inter-county teams and panels and so forth. And all that hasn't been addressed been there for some time but it's probably worse now than ever and again we just have to look at the priorities and see what what solutions we can come up with something we'll have to give we can't just keep going continue on the same way and uh, putting all this extra pressure on everybody and as you said playing more of all competitions in the first couple of months of the year the worst weather than maybe the rest of the year that again isn't uh, yeah, I, I just wonder, Sean, like, I mean, even within that split season structure, there was this push to finish everything 
as close as possible to within the calendar the calendar year. Now that hasn't quite been achieved yet, but I know that push is still there. I wonder is that the problem? Do we need to kind of forget about that ideal and and let your you know your club championships go on that little bit later? Maybe not quite out to Paddy's day, but certainly not playing All Ireland semi finals the week before Christmas. Could that be some way to solving it? I think uh, you're absolutely right. This obsession with the calendar year, so it doesn't matter. People didn't know what year it was, to December, to January, to February. <coughs> so, I mean, I mentioned there about the club championships, the semi-finals last week, the interviews in June, and I'm talking about hurling football, the finals on this weekend, all four together. The same with the senior club championship. And the other thing is that we'll say a team wins the provincial title. Then they have no time now really to celebrate it and to reflect on it. They're straight into an All-Ireland, they're straight into semi-finals or fourth and then the final. And that type of time, I think that's not a great thing either because if you have time to celebrate and to reflect and then to build up again, it would be good. But now, I would say when they win something of that nature, there are sports automatically told you can't celebrate. And that's a pity too. Until one, and then of course, when it comes to the All Ireland final, there's only really one team that can fully celebrate. So all the others who advanced from county level on, they haven't had that opportunity, and I think that's a pity as well. In an overall sense, Sean, as somebody that's been so long at, and has and continues to do so at, at the cold face of Gaelic games, you know, this discussion aside, how how do you feel the GA stands within modern day Ireland at the moment? Well, people are always telling me, and they have been saying it for years, that it's going to be more difficult to get volunteers, etc., etc. But the games are going ahead. Young people are playing the games. They love playing them. The sacrifices they make are enormous. I think, in fairness, the crowds, apart from maybe football, where the game has deteriorated because of the type of play, uh, the crowds in lots of matches are well up. Some aren't because of the the issues we mentioned, that just too many games on together and there's too much pressure and too many coming too quickly. But I think overall the health of the GA is very strong. I think uh, we can be very proud. I think you have sponsors and they're a good indication of where uh, a game is. The sponsors are all still aboard and you find almost every team is there to get sponsors. So good, good coaching development going on. A lot of good work being done by development officers. The schools, of course, fairness, are as strong as ever and they're vital. So a lot of support's coming there. So And then, of course, through the facilities, some fantastic facilities being developed continuously by clubs, etc. So we're in good health, but we need to manage the games and manage, our, as you said, our calendar and maybe get away from this obsession on the calendar year. And commercially, I mean, it, it has probably even grown beyond, much beyond from, from your own time in, in, in the hot seat. Like, I mean, we saw that this week the, the many financial reports that came out, very healthy profits in Munster, very healthy profits in Connacht. Um, it, it's becoming a massive financial behemoth, isn't it? It is. And in fairness, because it's an amateur-involved organisation, most of the money goes back down for development, which is good. And... Uh, I think the commercial aspects have been managed pretty well and doing better. And I think all that is helping to put good supports behind the games 
everywhere, and that needs to continue. And I think, uh, and that means also, of course, supporting the ladies' games as well as the men's games. And that's something I think we can be pleased about. It's happening more and more, and more people are going to the, the, male, the female games now, maybe never before. But again, you would wonder with the congestion of fixtures over a period of time, could uh, that actually stop or even decline because people won't be able to go to all the matches. So that's something I think that needs to be kept in mind as well. Former president of the GA there, Sean Kelly, certainly plenty uh, to think about and indeed, as Sean said, a few tweaks and maybe a bit of analysis to be done as well as to how things might work going forward. We turn now to soccer, though, where Newmarket Celtic's historic 2023 season has been honoured by Clare County Council as the club were awarded a civic reception to mark their incredible year. Paddy Purcell's side became the first Clare club to win the FAI Junior Cup title before going on to claim both the Tom Hand and President's Cups. The league title in Clare was also regained following a league-defining playoff with rivals Avenue United. Clare FM's Dara Dolan spoke with some of the key personnel involved, including Captain Owen Hayes, who began by reflecting on the question, what was the key to the market's success in 2023? That's a good question. Um, look, uh, how did we do it? Um, I suppose winning eight, eight or nine rounds, I think, was it? Uh, um, I think there was something like six, seven... Uh, hundred teams in the in the competition, um, and I suppose like getting out of your own county can be hard. Uh, once once you do that, I think our first uh, game was away to Wexford, uh, down down in Wexford. So we did it the hard way. We had a lot of away games, and then ultimately, like when you when you play a team of the caliber of St Michael's in a final, you know that you're up against uh, a team with huge caliber and, and huge history. So, um, the game obviously was very tight, went to extra time, and ultimately, like when you have players of our quality, um, both in goal and obviously when taking the, the spot kicks, um, you know, it made for a, a recipe for success, you know. Um, you mentioned there that, you know, our community um, is yeah, multifaceted, you know, and I suppose like um, being involved in the hurling club myself, um, it's it's hard to do all, all of it, but ultimately like our, cl- our community is unique in that we've been successful in, in both uh, hurling and in soccer and we've two uh massively distinguished clubs but in both codes so um we just have great people involved in our community and i suppose that's where it, that's what that's that's the that's the recipe and, and, and long may it continue i know not for a second to take away from the achievement of any single player on that squad because you possibly couldn't but even john just on that mention of of the dual mandate we often speak about how it's dying out in gaelic games but when you're playing hurling at the highest possible level and you have to look at Kevin Hartnett and what he's given to Clare over the years and what especially he's given to Milik, and to try and combine that with the elitism that is Newmarket Celtic Football Club, did you find that a challenge uh, at times? Like in particularly, you even had international duty last year. Like, How did you cobble it all together? Yeah, well, look, um, it's been difficult, but ultimately the understanding that uh, both coaches have had in, in, in both codes has been ultimately the key. Um, I suppose I'm playing both sports a long time and the understanding may not have been as uh, strong years and years ago uh, when I started out but nowadays I think player welfare is, 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 is to the fore and ultimately your managers are, are basically um, what, they're, what they're, their main um, 
goal is to get you right and get you on a pitch um whereas before it would be how many training sessions can you do whereas nowadays i think they know like that if you're off playing another code like it's not like you're you're um you're dosing you're 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 playing at a high level as well um look um we've been lucky to be enough to have been successful obviously you can be more successful um but um i suppose how do we do it understanding um I think uh, they're very forward thinking and, and thankfully I've been lucky enough to be involved at uh, uh, both codes at a high level, you know. No, I know you speak about momentum and we have to just look and take it into account once again, everything that's won the FAI Junior Cup. Then you have the Tom Hand Cup, Winners Cup, when you're beating the intermediate champions, which is a whole other scale of achievement in itself, to go then win the President's Cup by beating, uh, beating Derg FC of Tyrone and to even, you know, when your own league on top of that just shows the endurance that's in each and every uh, one of those players. You said there in the chamber that at the start of the year you promised to work as hard as you possibly could for each other and that sounds like a target that was set but did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that you'd be looking like a trophy hall like that? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't think that we'd, we'd, ha we'd have won what we've won. Uh, every year obviously we always look at um, domestic honours and I think it, you know, we've been lucky enough to win nine cups in a row and I actually won nine leagues, albeit not in a row, but um, you know, that's a fair fair haul really. Um but uh, ultimately I mentioned in the in the in the chamber it's about perseverance, about about coming back every year. Um and I suppose one thing that the FEI Junior Cup has has done is it's provided us with the opportunity to obviously win uh, one-off games like the, the Tom Hand Cup and the President's Cup and even the Tom Hand we played against Rockmount FC they have five uh, amateur internationals on their team like and I know them well from from playing with them they're back-to-back uh, -back intermediate champions intermediate football is obviously a step up from junior football so to beat them in a game like really just proves just how strong junior football is and, and how strong we are um, then to beat Derg View in uh, I suppose an all Ireland junior uh, one-off game um, is another massive achievement and like we're playing the Munster Champions Cup final in a in a month or so as well so we've had massive uh, kind of bonuses on the back of the FEI Junior Cup and winning our own league and you know these are one-off games but one, one of the reasons they're one-off is it's it's only the team that wins these competitions can actually play in them so that's the bonus that that is that comes with it and even after the the tom hand and the president's cup i i kind of said to the players like that you do realize like that in order to get back to playing not even just playing but to win these you actually have to win the fei junior cup again which is no mean feat and obviously we're not in the competition this year but I don't think many teams have won back-to-back -back since the 90s, so it's uh, really hard. I think Sheriff might have done it recently, but it's next to near impossible, you know? When you put it like that, it really emphasizes how, you know, you can't take those games for granted but when you have that opportunity. And that was another point that came up here, and we'll even just quickly go back to the FAI Junior Cup final, and that was obviously on the same day in Limerick City as Clare and Limerick in the Munster Hurling, which was actually the, the landmark standout game in the championship that year and so many young fans so many fans from across the county chose to come out and support Newmarket Celtic on that evening and to have a civic reception here today while it might not be a national or domestic trophy but to actually have county-wide your honours recognised and the highest honour that you can be bestowed by Clare County Council what does that actually mean to you? 
Yeah, it means a lot. Um, I actually remember uh, the day of the final, actually, I have this kind of thing where I've, I, I like to go to matches on my own. It's just a thing where I just like to keep my own headspace. And I remember talking to people even before that whose plan was basically to go to the FEI and then go over to the Gaelic grounds after. But the, I was going to extra time put paid to those. So people had a conundrum, like, were they going to leave the soccer early and go to the hurling? And I think a lot of people stayed, in fairness. And thankfully, we, we rewarded them for that. Um, and like, yeah, I suppose like, you know, uh, the civic reception is just, I suppose, the icing on the cake. Um, you know, you don't uh, play sport in order to uh, have days like these. These are just things that come along as a result. Um, but all still, still, they're, they're really important. And to have someone like uh, our president, um, Councillor Pat McMahon, um, you could see there that that day was uh, just as special for him. I know he's retiring next year and... Uh, you know, it's a great day for him and a, and a great, um, I suppose, uh, reward for all of the work that he does as a councillor, but also, more importantly, for Newmarket Celtic and the wider community. Newmarket Celtic manager, Paddy Purcell. Paddy, the whole county and the country will be looking at your trophy cabinet with envy. You set targets out at the start of the year. Could you ever have imagined that you'd have a year like this? Not really. I suppose it's my first year in management. I knew a lot of the players haven't played with them. I knew what they were capable of and what the potential was within the group, but in all honesty, I couldn't have imagined uh, how things have gone in relation to the success we've had. The young players coming through, the fact that some of the older lads have been around for some time, bought into what we were trying to do in terms of the standards we were trying to set and how we wanted to apply ourselves and all those various different things. So you're right, I just couldn't have, not in a million years could I imagine it, but at the same time, you know, hard work and you, you keep working hard, you say the luckier you get, right? And we, we did work very hard and it's a testament to a lot of the lads that are there for, for many, many years. And just on that point, you mentioned that and you can see what it means to the likes of your fans that turned out here in great numbers. Your president, Pat McMahon, who wore his heart in his sleeve this, this evening. And you know, the effort that's put in by volunteers as well to keep your pitches and your facilities maintained throughout the year, keep the jerseys watched, even the very small things. How far does it go? Oh, it runs deep, to be honest with you. It runs very, very deep. And I guess we're not unique in that respect, right? Many, many teams across the county and across the various codes that people are playing in need that base of support. People who are, you know, maintaining the pitches, doing all that hard work, uh, you know, getting the gear ready, getting the equipment ready, making sure we have the equipment we need. Um, those people are, you know, just the most important people in the whole process because without them, you don't really have anything. And... Without their work over the years, for all the clubs that are around for many, many years, without the, the founding work that was done, you don't get to celebrate the successes because you just don't have them. So I think it's uh, the same for a lot of clubs, but we have fantastic people involved who for many, many years are spending many hours every week putting in a lot of t time and effort. And they're doing it for the community, they're doing it for the club themselves, uh, they're doing it for the players, they're doing it for the young players coming through. And uh, all the things that have happened in the last number of years are as a result of that. And uh, it makes you very proud, right, when you see those things. And of course, it, it's going to be a tough act to follow. It's the most successful season any player, any club in Clare has ever had. It's the most successful season in Newmarket Celtic's 56-year history. And attention's now turned another month's time to another shot at provincial success in the Munster Champions Trophy. How do you go about, you know, preparing the players for that when, like, they're going to be exhausted with the season that they've put down. How do you go about getting the, the mind refocused and your attentions back to, all right, we've got to get on the field again? 
think you're always looking at the dynamic of the group and you know you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with player fatigue and various different things throughout the season and you know hopefully the mindset of success breeding success can can can, can follow through but equally there's a good balance amongst the group where there's some younger lads as I mentioned coming through and what we're trying to balance is the peop- those young fellas who've had success in, in recent times and helping them understand that that's not common right some people go their whole careers without having success and you're trying to reinforce that with them so they recognise the importance of recalibrating ahead of these different competitions keeping the hunger there keeping the focus there um, and to be fair it's, that's my job and it's the job of Steve Austin Owen O'Brien and the lads involved in management along with the captain Owen Hayes and, and some of the senior players to, to kind of keep that consistency there and as I say that's the one thing we, we're lucky we have we have a big squad so it helps us you know when lads need downtime they get the downtime um, when we can you know, pull lads through who need some game time themselves and we can balance it quite well. So I think the mix of players is what um, has enabled us to kind of continue um, in this kind of transition that we're in over the last season and a half. So we are in a bit of a transition where some of our more senior players have retired, some of the young players are coming through and that dynamic itself has actually worked really well for us. So there's a good mix of making sure those lads don't, don't realise that well this doesn't happen every day of the week and you need to fight for it and you need to work hard for it. And as I said at the start there, if you work hard, you know, who knows what's possible. And just on that transition and to quickly finish up, you must have been extremely proud of that over the years, over the year, my apologies, because it, you, know, you could see when you were when some games on your way to league success or the FAI junior success, there might have been some usual suspects that were the, at the end of playmaking, at the end of the goals. And then when we see you're in the Tom Hand final and the President's Cup final, we see, for example, Ethan Fitzgerald scoring a breast, which might not have been a name that would have cropped up so much. And particularly now, because of your other commitments and one-off competitions, you're you are a couple of games behind in the fixtures for the CDSL. How important is that squad depth going to be? It's going to be hugely important. Um, we saw that last year. You see it in each season. You know, if, you're, if your squad is too thin and if you are successful in different competitions and it prolongs your year, you, know, you do have some form of a fixture backlog normally towards the end of the season. So having a squad that's depth, you know, good depth amongst them, um, without having that, it can be really challenging. Right? I mean, last year, after the success... In, in the FEI and you know coming runners up in the Munster Junior, we had to dust ourselves down. And I think we had another six or seven games in the preceding uh, following weeks, right? And that was a hard thing to do. But without the strength and depth of the squad that we had, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And it's kind of similar again this year. Uh, we've a few lads, you know, have picked up knocks and injuries and stuff. And it's really the depth of your squad and trying to be able to pull on them when you need them because going in those you know far in those further competitions, it's week in week out. So your training has to be bang on point your preparation for the matches and you know if you don't have a decent sized squad it can be difficult to manage the uh, the different you know um, priorities that the people have right so yeah I think it's paramount to success if you can get a squad that's consistent uh, a good sized squad where people are buying into it even at times and maybe not everybody can get the equal amount of game time uh, and keeping everybody kind of encouraged and enthusiastic and balancing those things is hopefully what I've seen for us anyways brought us the success and hopefully we can continue that. Lean. Vice Chairperson and Public Relations Officer with Newmarket Celtic, you've been a stalwart of the club for many a year. What does a day like this mean to have the highest honour Clare County Council can bestow on you for the achievements of your football club? Yeah, I suppose, look, we're, we're absolutely honoured is the appropriate word. I mean, it's, uh, it's seldom enough soccer clubs achieve what we've achieved um, in this county especially and, and uh, you know, not since the Oscar Trainer team, I think that uh, we have seen a, a team 
from footballing circles get honoured in such a way. So, I mean, to be the first club to win an FEI Junior Cup, we've had a great, uh, I suppose, year of it celebrating. And, and I suppose this is culminating tonight in, in a fantastic honour, the highest honour in the county to bestow on us. So it's, uh, it's a great achievement for not only the club, but the people in America and Fergus. It just shows the ethos and you know, the dedication of the players as well. Because I know, look, while there's full communities and families and all supporters behind them, the lads that are here are already talking about training tomorrow morning. Yeah, funnily enough, they're actually going training after the event. So, um, you know, I suppose you talk about ethos. You know, we're here tonight to celebrate their achievements from last year. And, you know, we were only a kick of a penalty away from adding a Munster Junior to that. Um, but I suppose the ethos was formed a long long time ago and put in place by many many people and I suppose in all that time if you had said would we win an FEI Junior Cup probably not but the foundations were being laid to, to eventually get there sometime or to compete um, and you know it just proves that the talent is in Clare if it's not just in the market it's other clubs and you know I suppose we've laid the groundwork now it's for others to go and follow and, and to try and you know win that title as well and the, the, I suppose the, the the wall has been broken down and, and look, we'll definitely be always trying to, to compete for major trophies and the hard work will never stop and, and uh, I suppose that's what our foundation club is built on. And just finally Liam, I mean you can go into almost any village or town in Clare or in Ireland for that matter and you know the distinct identity and culture straight away whether it's hurling, Gaelic football or soccer. Newmarket is unique in the fact that you come in and the blue is flying prominently, but the red and white is very much there as well. And as Owen Hayes poignantly put it this evening, from so many supporters of Newmarket Celtic winning these games, and we can see that emotion in Pat McMahon and these achievements are the best days in so many club volunteers and so many fans' lives. So just when you take that into account and see the happiness that brought people this evening, how do you sum it all up? Yeah, look, I, I touched on it there when we were talking inside. I mean, look, Newmarket and Fergus is a great sport and village, um, whether it's red or blue. You know, we always get behind each other. And, and I suppose, you know, in, in, in all of our success, great credit has to go to, I suppose, a lot of people in terms of having the foresight, you know, to work together because, you know, primarily we would have always been successful in the GA field. And, and I suppose the soccer club came along and, and you know, people were... You know, making inwards there and, and you know we had to work together to make it a success and, and both clubs are flying now thank, thank God um, but you know that's all backed up by the people in the market and the support both clubs get and primarily you know the soccer club were well supported when it comes to fundraising and, and you, know, you know volunteers and things like that you know we, we, are, we never have to go far to be well supported by our own and, and uh, you know they've, they've given us every year they always support us and, and you know this year was it was great to give something back to them Liam Murphy there finishing up that report from Clare FM's Dara Dolan after the Market Celtic's civic reception at Oris Cundi on Clare. Now Jim Madden joins us look ahead to uh, what is a very busy weekend of uh, local soccer fixtures and indeed uh, one that could help shape the top of that Premier Division table even more so as well. Uh, Jim, uh, a couple of games that people will certainly want to be keeping an eye on. Uh, yes, indeed. And, and as you said there, it's a very busy weekend of Clare soccer, the start of uh, the new year. And hopefully the weather will be kind and that all the games will go ahead. Yes, in the Premier League, uh, there's a number of games that are, there's uh, one, two, three, four, four games down for decision. All of them could have a bearing on the top of the table, as you said. Um, the holders, Newmarket Celtic, who have only played three games, uh, they're at home to Lifford, who are in second place on 17 points. Uh, that will be one that Newmarket will definitely want to win. 
and Lifford are going to be a very strong uh, opposition there. So there should be a good crowd in Newmarket to see that on Sunday morning at 11. Avenue United then, who are top of the table, Derek, with 20 points from their eight games. Uh, they dropped a couple of points last Sunday, if you remember, in that three-all draw against Shannon Town. They played Tulla, who are very close to the bottom of the table with four points. You'd imagine that Avenue, that wake-up call last Sunday will have made them more aware that they can take nothing for granted and they'll be very anxious to win that game and keep their, their, in their position at the top of the table. They'll also be preparing for their FAI Cup game next Saturday uh, when they travel up to Tala. So that's uh, that their minds will be well focused. Bridge United then, who have 10 points, they're at home to Cool FC. You'd imagine that the Bridge should win that. And then finally in the Premier Division, Shannon Town, who got a very uh, good draw against uh, Avenue last weekend. They will be playing Kilrush Rangers. Now, that game is uh, at Lee's Road again because uh, Shannon Town's pitch was damaged uh, over Christmas by uh, too much games on it, really. So um, they, they are playing their games at the minute at Lee's Road, which adds to the cost and all of that for them. But um, it also saves Kilrush maybe a bit of travelling there. Kilrush badly need to get something out of that game because they're at the bottom of the table with only a point from their six games. So you're dead right, Derek. The battle for the league title is still very open. And um, the, the Newmarket, have, of course, have a big game to look forward to coming up as well in the Champions League final where they play Villa from Waterford. And, of course, the Avenue, as we said earlier, are looking forward to the FAI when they travel to Tala. And then a week or two later, they travel down to Dunmanway in the Munster Junior Cup. So uh, Avenue's cost and travelling will be quite big. Yeah, they won't mind it though if there's uh, silverware to show for. But it, it's an interesting dynamic then because as you say, Newmarket only have the couple of games played but by the time Avenue have all these cup games out of the way, Newmarket might have caught up but like it's it's that old adage, isn't it? That you'd rather have points on the board maybe than, uh, than games in hand. So from Newmarket, you get the feeling the pressure is on here now to, to go and do that. Uh, it is indeed. And I mean, there's no doubt that... Uh, uh, Avenue or Newmarket, sorry, will have a, a target on their back and uh, no, mo- no more so than on Sunday when they play Lifford. And then, of course, they probably have to play Shannon Town in the not-too-distant future as well. And they'll probably also have to play their neighbours, Bridge United. So, um, yes, there's a lot at stake for Newmarket and there is very, very little room for error, isn't there? In the other divisions, is there anything that stands out here? Well, the, the, there is a full div, uh, big set of fixtures in the first division. Bunratty are at home to Moher Celtic. Bunratty struggling a bit this season. Uh, Moher are doing quite well. Um, sporting in its diamond, then they're at home to Shannon Town B. Uh, both of those clubs are struggling a bit at the bottom end of the table and they badly need to get some points on the board. Ennis Dons have 12 points. They play uh, Newmarket Celtic B, who are in second or third place with uh, 11 points. Um, those games are all at 11 o'clock and then at 2pm Inch Crusaders who they play Shannon Olympic A now that's a very uh, tight game that because Inch are top of the table there with 17 points and Olympic are third with 15 very little gap between the two there as I said two points a win there for Olympic would close the gap and give them an edge but uh, You'd imagine that Inch's early season forum has been very, very good indeed. And then the other afternoon game, Mount Shannon, who are bottom of the table, they play Ryan Rovers, who are second with 16 points. Ryan will be very anxious to stay in, te- in step with the two teams uh, above them. So um, 
that will mean that Ryan won't be giving anything away soft to Mount Shannon. In the second division then, we have three games down for decision. Third Celtic play Avenue B. Connolly Celtic are at home to Fair Green. Now, Fair Green are top of the table. They are Connolly are a good bit back. Uh, and Fair Green, of course, have some Munster Shield games to look forward to against Manus. And uh, the winners of that play, they have another game as well if they win that. But they will have a, a battle with Manus because Manus are second in that table there. And Bridge United B play Bridge Celtic. In the third division, there's three games, Shannon Olympic B and uh, play Shannon Town C, a local derby there. Corafin play Newmarket C and Callan United uh, from Mullock there play Tullaby. So a very, very busy weekend in store there. Derek. Just before we go, Jim, and as you touched on it there, um, we know about the draws during the week for the Munster Junior Cup, but also that Munster Junior Shield competition. Probably, you know, these these competitions in their first year, you're assessing their worth and all the rest of it. But when you see the run that the likes of Manus and Fairgreen Celtic have gone on, um, very much a, a competition that has served its purpose to, to give these clubs their chance at that level. Uh, yes, indeed, because normally what would have happened on previous years is they'd have entered the Munster Junior Cup knowing that really their chances of any kind of success or anything like that was very, very limited indeed because the it was open to all the other teams in, the, in various leagues, whereas now the Shield is limited to second and third division teams. And that gives them something to look forward to. And you, can you imagine either Fair Green or Manus if they manage to get to the final of the Munster Shield and maybe get a home draw as well in the final so they'd be playing in Clare that would really add the, to the interest but it would also make the lower division teams in Clare begin to sit up and think we have to work a bit harder if we want to stay in step with what's going on yeah, absolutely. And as you said in that uh, that game for Avenue next week, we, we'll preview that next week on the show. But for now, Jim Madden, thanks for that. Anyway, thanks, Derek, and we'll talk to you next week. Now, delighted to be joined by Claire Camogie, Minor Manager Cormac Heffernan. They get their season underway this Sunday down in Staker Wallace GAA in Limerick. It's the opening round of the Munster Championship. Uh, it might just be the second weekend in January, but we're already talking Championship, Cormac. Um, and I guess that's a, a dynamic you'll have to deal with. Um, the, the Turkey is a fairly recent memory, but at the same time, there's a, a job to be done here on Sunday. Absolutely, yeah, there is. And uh, look, we're, we're looking forward to it now. We were back around the middle of November so um, I suppose we've done a, a bit of a, a block of work um, in off season um, around the S&C side of things and um, speed and agility as well so we've got that banked behind us but we're very much still in pre-season we're building towards the All-Ireland series which is in uh, kicks off in, in the 2nd or 3rd of March that weekend so um, no more than any other team really I suppose the likes of uh, the other Munster teams and, and all the other teams uh, looking t- towards the All-Ireland as well. I suppose it's very early in the year to be going into a Munster Championship, but look, that's that's the way it's been scheduled. Um, so we're looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, we are we are still very much in pre-season. It's very early in the year. We have a lot of work to do with the girls. But, um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. But as you say, at the same time, when you tell a player there's a game this weekend, I'd say the eyes light up a little bit. I mean, this is what the, the work is for. Absolutely, yeah, and there's a there's a good competitive spirit in the group. You know, we have we have five or six girls who would have started on last year's minor team, and it's great to have their experience um, in the setup. Really, you know, and they they won't be daunted by by anything that's coming their way, given the experience they have. And then we have 
three or four girls um, for various different reasons didn't come into us last year and um, they're, they were under 17 last year they're still underage this year they've come in which boosted our, our squad as well and then the under 16s um, that, that won the All-Ireland uh, Shield A Shield last year um, you know they're they're coming in and obviously they've had a very um, good experience last year with the under 16s and they're adding significantly to the group as well um, and the group dynamic and they're they're a competitive crew and they've they've um, added significantly to the group really so you know there's a good competitive spurs in the group they want to do, do they want to do well they want to develop they're eager to learn and um, you know we um, you know they, they do want they take themselves seriously as, as athletes which is what you want from them and um, yeah, we're we're looking forward to Sunday, and we're looking forward to the year ahead, really. You know. Yeah, and that, that dynamic you mentioned about them uh, developing as athletes, I suppose, and, m- and maybe it's a it's a wider clear Camogie thing, but like the success of recent years, you know, is is it now a case of that younger player saying that at minor level, I'm just a step or two here now away from from going to now what would be intermediate level and, and ultimately on to senior level, then with the first team that, you know, there's more of a clear pathway now and, and maybe more onus on players to be ready for it. Yeah, I think I think there there is a clear pathway there for them over the last number of years. You know, the the, the success of the juniors last year kind of really showed them that there is there is um, I suppose that there is a, a transition, and they understand that there's a transition out of minor and juvenile hurling or camogie into that senior setup and and st- stepping up. And I suppose each time they come to January each year, that they understand that okay, this this is. A step up again and a step up again from 15s, 16s, 17s uh, into 18s, and now there's that that intermediate setup that's there now for them, and they're playing at a higher level and stepping up intermediate, and then hopefully um, some of those players will will keep going and step up again on, into the senior panel. So that clear tra- uh, transition is there, and it's actually interesting you mentioned it, Derek, because we did a, we had a meeting kind of a, a, a pre-Christmas there when the panel was whittled down to its current numbers and we just kind of developed a player charter and they spoke about that, um, um, you know, that they wanted to to uh, progress this year and progress and transition into senior camogie or adult camogie. So it's in their, it's in their, it is in their mindset. And I suppose that, that progression in Clare camogie in, in, in recent years kind of gives them that, um, they've seen other girls that maybe a year or two ahead of them um, uh, succeed in that in that pathway, and you know the the they want to maybe follow in their footsteps, which is great. Yeah, doesn't that show real joined up thinking though that the the the, the structure is there at, at adult level for them? But like for players who are still you know kids essentially to to be that self aware of their own needs and their own responsibilities in order to make that step, like that's that's from a management point of view must be a dream to be listening to. It is, and, and I think that more, um, I suppose, more and more, um, the the female athletes, given the change in female sport over the last number of years, which is great, right? Um, but they're not there yet. And the, another another thing they mentioned was the equal recognition point uh, with males and females. So they're thinking about this stuff, and it's great that they're thinking about it. Um, you know, so there is that awareness that. Um, you know that they, they they want to develop as athletes and they take themselves seriously as athletes, and um, you know they enjoy themselves along the way. But they are serious about what they're doing, and it's it's great for a management team that you don't have to actually instill that in them, that it's there. And and uh, you know it's very welcome from our point of view. Um, you know we've we've uh, we've some experienced people in the setup um, between Tom Lay and um, Denise Lynch, 
and Anthony Oluni there as coaches. And uh, we've Mike Beddows and David Kennedy on the SNC and performance and data side. And Trina Alford is with us as well as as a coach and player liaison. So there's a good there's a good crew uh, management crew there, and it's great that um, I suppose that they're they're uh, supporting them in their in their development over the next uh, five or six months. And uh, you know it's it's uh, it's it's a nice it's a nice dynamic that we have, and it's it's a nice setup. So we're enjoying it at the moment, you know. Yeah, and I suppose long gone now is the day where it's one or two people trying to fulfil all those roles. I mean, at high performance now, players expect a certain standard and management and county boards have to go and provide that. And isn't it fantastic to see that in Clare that it's being there for the players? Yeah, it is. And, and look, we can, we've we've a lot more to do in that regard. Like I would, um, I suppose, with, with a development hat on, I'd like to, I'd like to see us get, um, you know, um, Start linking up more with the GA side of things in Clare and linking in with the, with the development structures that are there and evolving that further again. But you know it's improved along uh, with uh, over the last number of years, and there's good people involved in Clare Camogie that want to progress. Um, you know it's it's um, it's nobody's full time role, and it's it's uh, it's a challenge in terms of time and commitment. But there are people there who are, who are, who are trying to do the right thing, and uh, and uh, you know that's all very it's all very positive and progressive and progressive for the girls too because they see that there's there's a desire there to do right by them and to to keep them evolving and keep them keep them progressing, and that's that's positive from 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 a mentor's perspective and from a player's perspective, you know. And finally, then just going back to to Sunday, I suppose the reward for winning that game is buying another game you know I think any weekend you can fill between now and your All-Ireland series is probably a bonus It is uh, we're, we're and, and it will be you know they, they are bonuses week on week now I think they, they, this is a preliminary round against Limerick and then we're we've, we, the, the following round if we manage to come through that this weekend is against Waterford away so you know they're all different experiences and you're getting used to the match day out and you're getting used to preparing for it and if there's a trip to Waterford you know that's a different dynamic again where you're on the road for a few hours beforehand so it's all good preparation for the girls in terms of later on in the year and in their careers going forward so I think look it would be good to get um, to get uh, two two weekends in a row and then if, if we came out of that I think the final is due for mid to February so um, you know it would be a great experience to get a run in this but you know as I said, it's pre-season. We're developing towards the All Ireland. So if we don't, we'll arrange challenge matches and we'll, uh, um, you know, and we'll develop from there. But we are we are comfortable, I suppose, in where we are. Um, we've a lot to do with them to get them right for for March, uh, early March, and the girls know that too. Um, and they're, they're, as I said, they're they're eager to to progress and to learn to be to be ready to hit the ground running in March. Uh, and you know, we're going to give Sunday um, uh, a good go. There's been nothing between Limerick um, under 17s and under 18s in this in, in in this age group going back over the years. So it'll be another tight affair. The ground will be heavy. Um, you know, it'll 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 probably be a, a bit of a, a a bit of a fight. And uh, you know, we're fine with that. And we have to we have to learn to play that way too. So. Um, you know, we're we're looking forward to it, and we we know that we'll be competitive. You know, which is which is a nice way to be again, and, and gives us confidence going into that game. You know, Cormac, thanks for that. Two o'clock start in Staker Wallace on Sunday afternoon for that game. We're finishing this week's show now with Alan Troy on Greyhound Focus. Clare FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland, because this runs deep. Good evening and welcome to this week's Greyhound Focus. On Saturday evening last at Galway Greyhound Stadium, there was a training double for six-mile bridges Stephen Murray with his kennel charges Mo Dig and Dara Bear. 
Modig, a daughter of Burgess Bucks and Croker's Wish, and owned by Mrs. Mallon Kelly from Cora Clare, took the honours in the opening A9 graded contest of the evening, in a time of 29.24. And Dara Bear, who is owned by Stephen's daughter Rachel in partnership with Sean O'Reardon, recorded his fifth career success in 29.60. Bear is a son of Droopy Sydney and Astro Abbey. The McMahon clan of Seamus Breed and young James were smiling all the way home to Curra Clare after they landed a double on the night with Lissatook Rose and Lissatook Peggy. First in the winner's enclosure it was Lissatook Rose. A daughter of Magical Bale and Lone Control, she recorded a second career win in 29.81 and in the finale of the night, an A4 contest, the ever-consistent Lissatook Peggy notched career win number 12 in 29.55 and she is a homebred daughter of Dorota's Woohoo and Lissatook Lady. At Limerick Graham Stadium on Saturday evening last, Clunny Ogan Bear recorded a third career success for Mullock's Noel Moroni. A son of Pestana and Clunny Ogan Flash, he stopped the clock at 29.30 and one of the most consistent performers around the Limerick circuit in the last year is Port Ryan Magic. Owned by Cratlow's Liam Carroll, this son of Clan Brian Hero and Clon Alas landed his 10th career win in an impressive 28.60. And Thursday's SIS meeting at Limerick has now changed to an afternoon schedule from an evening one. And from the 13 races on the card yesterday, four of them came home to the Banner County. O'Callaghan Mills trainer Donald Cooney recorded a double. In the first race of the afternoon, Killerun Babe, who is owned by Kiran Cooney, made it four wins from eight starts with a 29.78 victory. And she is a daughter of Pestana and Border Electric. The double was completed in the twelfth race when East Clare Way, who is owned by Frank O'Mara and Padraig Minogue, recorded a second career success in 29.42. He is a son of Pestana and Slippery Jade. Snuggy Archie recorded his 11th career win for Newmarket and Ferguson's Miles Cubbins. A son of Paddy Magic and Miles Girl, his winning time was 29.83. And Innes Diamonds Tom Flanagan was in the winner's enclosure with Trembling Gloria, who notched career win number 5 in 29.26. Gloria is a homebred daughter of Romeo Recruit and Trembling Juliet. That's all for this week, folks. Wishing you all a happy new year. Slán August Bannacht. Alan, thanks very much indeed for that. That's all for this week's Sideline View. I'll chat to you again next Friday.